Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed. In today's top stories, former Governor John DeYoung responds to the lawsuit filed by victims of Jeffrey Epstein. Senator Kenneth Gittin's legislation to address restrictions in the historic town areas is presented to lawmakers. A woman is wanted for a shooting incident this morning on St. Croix. These stories and more on today's WTJX Newsfeed. From the Virgin Islands Public Broadcasting System Studios on St. Thomas, this is the WTJX Newsfeed with Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed, bringing you the latest news and updates throughout our community. The Virgin Isles Police Department is asking for the community's help to locate a suspect from a shooting incident. Earlier today, the 911 Emergency Call Center received several calls regarding a male gunshot victim in the roadway near Cuesta Verde on St. Croix. The victim was transported for medical treatment to the Wang Lui Hospital and is in critical but stable condition. The suspect in this shooting incident is 30-year-old Valentina Sanchez, a Hispanic female described as 5 feet 4 inches in height and about 160 pounds. She has black hair, brown eyes, and a light complexion. Ms. Sanchez was last seen wearing khaki knee-length pants, a dark-colored shirt with a red or maroon handbag. She is known to frequent the Williams Delight and Estate Tamarind area. For anyone with information on her whereabouts or the incident, call 911, the Criminal Investigation Bureau at 340-712-6119 or Crime Stoppers VI at 1-800-222-TIPS. A reminder that harboring a fugitive from arrest can be punishable by law. In September of last year, we spoke with Senator Kenneth Gittins, who told us about legislation he intended to propose that would limit the role of the Historic Preservation Commission. Senator Gittins recently unveiled that legislation to fellow lawmakers, stating that it was one piece of the puzzle in addressing issues in the downtown districts. This legislation would allow for much greater flexibility for property owners who truly want to rebuild or repair their properties but are concerned about the cost and time delays to rebuild to the restrictions currently imposed. Some invited testifiers were not supportive of the measure with its current language. President of Our Town, Frederickstead, Shomari Moorhead, said they supported the intention of the bill, but at present could not wholeheartedly endorse the legislation. There are some changes needed. Our concerns are rooted in the perception that the bill is vague and lacks critical process and controls to protect against potential corruption, graft, and fraud resulting from its subjective provisions. Senator Gittins mentioned an October 2021 correspondence to DPNR's Commissioner Jean-Pierre Oriol, seeking to gather stakeholder input on how to address the rehabilitation of the historic districts. The senator stated to date he still has not received a response to that letter. Commissioner Oriol responded. There was nothing for DPNR to comment on specifically. We attended the public hearing that Senator Gittins put on. And again, there was still no bill that was actually speaking to what the requirements are specifically that we are needing to amend or change. Commissioner Oriel did acknowledge, however, that rehabilitation to the downtown areas is critically needed. Now, I am going to sit here and 100% agree that the towns and their dilapidated state need to, something needs to be done. 
95% of the buildings in the historic districts are privately owned. But yet everybody is looking to the government to bail them out. And off of what? Our 2% of the casino commission, $33,000 a year, that we're supposed to upgrade all of these towns? So no, we didn't have anything specific to state because there was nothing specific presented for me to comment on. Even this bill right now does not state what are the requirements that we're saying are too stringent for us. We've stood up time and time again that the requirements are made in here. The first time that I'm hearing that everybody has a problem from them is from Ms. Newland saying her clients don't want to even buy the property because they don't like the requirements. Okay. The commissioner was referencing local realtor April Newland, who expressed support for the bill in its current form, sharing that she could recall at least 25 clients who backed out of purchasing properties in the historic district because of the current restrictions. By the end, Senator Gittins moved to hold the bill in committee, agreed to make amendments to the legislation. In November of 2023, six victims of Jeffrey Epstein filed a civil complaint in a New York court accusing former Governor John DeYoung Jr. and First Lady Cecile DeYoung, as well as several other Virgin Islands officials, of protecting Epstein in exchange for money and favors, even after Epstein was required to register as a sex offender for sexually abusing underage girls in Florida in 2008. In a current update, Attorneys for former Governor John DeYoung Jr. have asked a New York judge to dismiss the complaint, arguing that he cannot be held liable for allegations against his wife. The lawsuit claims Mrs. DeYoung, who worked as Epstein's office manager for nearly the entire 20 years that he lived in the Virgin Islands, including during Governor DeYoung's term as governor from 2007 to 2015, was present in Epstein's St. Thomas office when he went into an adjacent room and raped one of the victims, arguing that given her proximity, it would have been impossible for her to not have heard the sexual assault. Attorneys for Governor DeYoung, Daniel Savalos of New York and David Cady of St. Thomas filed a 26-page motion to dismiss the case or have it transferred to the Virgin Islands District Court, arguing that the complaint does not allege that the former governor supervised anything, had contact with the victims, or abused anyone. The motion also argues that the venue is improper because the plaintiffs live in New York and the allegations occurred in the Virgin Islands. Mr. DeYoung's attorneys are the only lawyers who have filed appearances in the case so far, and the former First Lady and other defendants, which include former Governor Kenneth Mapp, former Senators Celestino White Sr. and Carlton Dow, Virgin Islands Delegate to Congress Stacey Plaskett, and former VI Attorney General Vincent Frazier, as well as 100 unnamed John Doe defendants that include law enforcement officers, have not yet responded to the complaint. Lawmakers convened in a hearing on St. John today to address public safety and security issues on the island. The meeting was a follow-up to a 2023 November 9th hearing that precipitated tension between Senator Franklin Johnson and VIPD Commissioner Ray Martinez. The senator made remarks calling members of the police department cowards because no representation from the department were in attendance. That tension continued today. And I'm now to the police department how is your current caseload on the island of St. John? Mr. Chair, the insolence okay. that your 
that Senator Johnson relayed towards me and my team at the last hearing, I will answer every other senator in here, with the exception of him. Mr. No. Chair, Com you, Commissioner, you, you, one, yeah. one second. And one if second. you want to, you can go ahead one and second. swear me now. One second. Okay. We, uh, Commissioner, we had this conversation off the record. Uh, you're here as a police commissioner representing the Virgin Islands Police Department. Uh, the senator asked a question of the Virgin Islands Police Department. It is not personal, and we expect a response from the Virgin Islands Police Department regarding such. Good. Then my question on behalf of the Virgin Islands Police Department is that I'm not answering this question. Committee Chair Senator Kenneth Gittins took charge, telling Commissioner Martinez that he could not choose who he could answer questions from and expected a response as the head of the department. Commissioner Martinez, however, was unmoved. This body invited me to a meeting on, on November 9th. I submitted correspondence indicating that myself nor my team were available. At that meeting, Senator Johnson went off on a tyrant, okay, on a tirade and outright insulted, demeaned myself and my team. Now you expect me to come back in here under subpoena, okay, without putting on the record that at that you had correspondence, or this committee had correspondence back then, that we were not available. The people of St. John and responding to any and every member of this community is important to the VIPD. But for this committee okay, to have had Senator Johnson make the derogatory statements that he made, and no one on this committee nor in this body has addressed those publicly. Now we're supposed to, re I am supposed to walk back in here today and address his questions as if nothing has occurred. When his statements back then has affected my entire department. Senator Gittins further reminded the commissioner that he was there under subpoena. At what point in time is this committee going to address my concerns and those derogatory statements that the senator made? It, it can be addressed once a complaint is made and there was no complaint made to us. Commissioner Martinez stated he would in fact file a formal complaint against Senator Johnson and finally responded to the senator's inquiry. With regards to investigations, we have approximately 68 cases under investigation or 68 cases in 2023. I, I heard some folks out here speaking about the increase of patrol and I can recall after that hearing on St. John that day there was a lot of traffic stop and that's good to know. The Virgin Islands Bureau of Internal Revenue is urging Virgin Islands taxpayers to recognize the Earned Income Tax Credit Awareness Day. It's being celebrated on Friday, February 2nd. Director Joel Lee said it was a nationwide effort to raise taxpayer awareness about the tax credit and other refundable credits. For the first time, we've always, as a government, had to essentially come out of our pockets to... Um, to give that to people. So there are two buckets of, when someone gets a return, it's kind of two buckets that they get. They get a, a bunch of credits, like tax credits, if they don't meet a certain threshold, meaning if their income is lower than normal, and then there's a return of withholding taxes that happens. 
To be eligible, you must have earned income or certain disability income, meaning you must have income working for someone or working for yourself. So it's always been easy to return the withholding taxes. And withholding taxes are the taxes the employer takes out of the check and remits it to us. So we have that kind of like in a bank, so to speak. What's always been challenging for us is when we have returns that have credits on them. Those credits have to come out of the government's you know, other pockets, so to speak. So that traditionally is what has made it challenging to pay refunds on time. Because we do have a, a significant segment of our population whose income isn't that high. Director Lee says that by law, the Virgin Islands is mandated to follow the IRS tax code and honor the tax credits. Fortunately, the IRS and the federal government has agreed to reimburse us those credits, primarily the earned income credit, which is the the larger part of the whole credit um, tax givebacks. So a part of that, um, we want to let everyone know, you know, who files taxes that, you know, if, if it's not necessarily you file and you're going to always owe, um, you're going to, you know, depending on your income level, you will get monies returned to you and, you know, you should file because otherwise this money is sitting on, you know, you're leaving money on the table, as, as we say. If you worked last year and your income was less than $63,698, check your eligibility for the earned income tax credit. It could mean up to $7,000 in refunds when you file your return and have qualifying children. We are making a push on Friday to let people know who may not, who think, oh, I ain't going to file because I ain't getting no money to pay taxes. You may not, you may be getting refunds. Um, and, and, you know, the, the unfortunate thing is, there's a statute for refunds, meaning if three years go by and you didn't file, you now are not eligible for that refund anymore. Workers with no qualifying children could be eligible for a small credit of up to $600. The meeting to discuss the demolition and new construction of the St. Croix Central High School is being held this evening at 5.30 p.m. on Microsoft Teams. The meeting credentials can be found on DPNR's Facebook page, as well as the Department of Education's Facebook page. The Coral Reef Academy, who specializes in educating children on the autism spectrum, opened its doors on St. Croix in 2018. They are now expanding their campus to St. Thomas. Under the leadership of Dr. Jody Miller, she says they're excited to open its doors in August. On St. Croix, we have students ranging from kindergarten to 12th grade. On St. Thomas, we'll start with one classroom just because, you know, we're opening the campus, we're getting prepared, uh, and in the future we will expand. But the first classroom that we open on St. Thomas will be K through 4, and it'll be up to 10 students um, staffed, you know, a high st staff to student ratio uh, so we can effectively and, um, uh, you know, support students and really, really uh, focus on uh, advancing their educational skills and and communication skills and social skills and all the all the great things that we're doing with kids. Dr. Miller said the academy's approach extends beyond academics. The programming that we're doing is a, is specialized. It's 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 different than what would be in sort of a traditional uh, academic setting. Our our methodology is uh, rooted in teach, which is T E A C C H, and that's a methodology out of the uh, University of North Carolina. 
Um, and we are really poised to support kids on St. Thomas that may not necessarily uh, be successful or fit in a sort of a traditional academic setting. They may need some sort of very different approach. And so that's what we're bringing to the island. She says while the academy would like to offer services to those who may not be able to afford tuition, they are committed to growing and offering tuition assistance in the future. We hope in the future that we can partner with the Department of Education, as we do here on St. Croix, uh, to offer um, some uh, support to families, either through the Department of Education or um, through tuition assistance, and then we, we hope to establish that uh, shortly. It will not be available during this first inaugural, um, you know, classroom setup, just because we're starting out, but we do definitely hope to, to provide that in the future. Enrollment for the upcoming academic year is currently underway, and Dr. Miller said the application is as easy as reaching out. And my email address is J, as in Jody, Miller, uh, at C-R-A-U-S-V-I dot org. And that's C-R-A Coral Academy U-S-V-I dot org. Uh, and then we'll set up an, a meeting and I can hear all about uh, the wonderful things about the student. Um, I can tell the, the, the family all about our school and sort of how we approach education. And then we go from there. So it's a, it's a fairly easy uh, process for the families to, uh, to go through. You are listening to the WTJX Newsfeed. When we spoke with Denise Gomes, the planner and coordinator of the Virgin Islands Office of Highway Safety's Occupant Protection Program, she told us about an upcoming giveaway of car and booster seats that will be available to qualified residents in the territory. We just got a shipment of seats in both districts, which we will be distributing. Um, I'm encouraging the community to look on, if you have Facebook access, to for U.S. Highway Safety U.S. Virgin Islands Highway Safety Office um, page, and we have on there a flyer where you can actually um, apply for car seats from birth to booster. Those seats go very quickly. As I mentioned before, we don't have seats in inventory in our retailers like we have in the past. So I'll give my phone number as well. It's area code 340-473. 7383 if you're in need of a car seat or a booster seat for your child. No, I'm asking the community. This is not for a second or third seat for your child. It is for those children who have no seats. So I'm asking the community, please, um, if you're in need of a seat for your child, and seats by law are required from birth until age eight or up until four foot nine inches tall. If you have a child that's under four foot nine or under age eight in need of a seat, please call 340-473-7383. And that is for St. Croix, St. Thomas, and St. John. The Virgin Isles Department of Education's Division of Sports and Athletics is hosting a meeting for parents, coaches, and all public school athletes in grades 6 through 12 this Friday, February 2nd at 5.30 p.m. in the Charlotte Amali High School Auditorium. All student athletes must be accompanied by a parent. In more news, we're turning now to our regional report. The final draft of the British Virgin Islands' new immigration policy was recently unveiled by the government for public consultation. Premier Dr. Natalia Whitley unveiled the draft, noting it was completed after extensive consultation. The policy's foundation is built on balance, balancing economic growth with cultural integration and social stability. 
It recognizes the invaluable contributions of immigrants to our community, while also safeguarding the interests and heritage of Virgin Islanders. This policy proposes the length of time required to attain permanent residence and belonger status. It asserts that years of residence is just one factor to be considered in granting status. Under the new policy, applicants must have ordinary residence in the British Virgin Islands for at least 10 years to be eligible to apply for permanent residency. An immigrant can also apply for belonger status after at least 20 years of ordinary residence. I invite each of you to engage with the final draft of this policy and to provide your insights and feedback. Together, we will shape a future that is inclusive, prosperous, and sustainable for generations to come. The policy is now accessible on the government's website, and persons are encouraged to submit feedback to mtcsd at gov.vg by Friday, February the 2nd. Residents can anticipate a blend of skies with a chance of scattered showers. Returning now to our meteorologist for the territory's weather forecast. Here's a latest look at the short-term forecast for the Virgin Islands. I'm meteorologist Eric Weglars. We'll find a blend of sunshine and clouds today with scattered showers near sunset area-wide. Highs reach the middle 80s at St. Croix. Winds from the southeast at 5 to 10 miles per hour. At St. Thomas and St. John, a few more showers near sunset. Highs similar in the middle 80s and winds similar as well from the southeast at 5 to 10. Tonight, scattered showers will taper off to mostly clear skies before midnight. Lows will fall back to near 70 at St. Croix. Winds will pivot to the east at 5 to 10. At St. Thomas and St. John, we'll find a few more showers early, but similar trend with a decrease in clouds. Lows back in the middle 70s. Winds from the southeast at 5 to 10 miles per hour. And Thursday features sunshine with afternoon clouds and scattered showers as well. Highs will reach the middle 80s at St. Croix. Winds from the south at 5 to 10 miles per hour. And at St. Thomas and St. John, highs a bit cooler in the lower 80s. Winds from the south at 5 to 10. The rip current risk is is low to moderate for all area beaches through the end of the week. That's the latest look at the short-term forecast. I'm meteorologist Eric Weglars. We are at the end of today's WTJX news feed. I'm Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Join me every weekday at 5 p.m. And if you haven't already, be sure to download the WTJX app. If you missed a part of our news, you can listen to it on demand wherever you get your podcasts. 